Welcome to the Queer Airs podcast. This is Alia. This is Nadia. And we're so excited. We have a guest on who I've legit wanted to have on for like three years since <laughs> we started the podcast. So can you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. This is Randa Jarar. I am a Palestinian Egyptian novelist, short story writer, and memoirist, and essayist, an actor, and professor. And I'm joining Queer Arabs Podcast from Los Angeles today. Hey, hi from New York. So thank you so much for doing this. We're, we've been excited about connecting with you for a while. So you were talking about on your Twitter, speaking of being Palestinian, you were talking about your new tattoo. Can you just describe it to the listeners? It's really gorgeous. And you just got it. Thank you. So, okay, I will tell you like part of why I wanted this tattoo. So as a femme, I love, 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 you know, clothing. I love fabric. I love texture. And the thobe I had um, that was given to me was given to me when I was fairly young. I was a teenager and I was a lot smaller than I am now. So um, it no longer fits me. And I actually... Um, donated it about 15 years, no, maybe 10 years ago. And I've always been kind of sad because I do love thobes, but thobes don't, so far, I, I haven't found one that is bodylicious enough to <laughs> allow me to wear it. So the other thing that I was thinking, like, well, what if I had tatris on me so that I was almost always wearing my thobe? Right. I still am not like feeling that feeling like that excited about um, doing tatris. I basically started looking into motifs that I really liked. And the ones I love are the trees, you know, the ones that are like just sort of like a, a line and eight dots. I also really love the leaf, the leaves motifs and the flower petal motifs and border motifs or fence motifs, but it's sort of like around your orchard. And so I brought those to my tattoo artist and of course a woman of color. I would never let a white woman tattoo anything on me, let alone um, purple <laughs> So yeah, so we designed it together and it just feels incredible to know that I'm wearing my thobe. I wear a lot of dresses so um they expose the back and it just makes me really proud i love it incredible i love the yeah i love the way that you can permanently wear something so special to you and it's not yeah it doesn't like depend on your body um and it's just like always it always always fits fits. it always fits it's always there yeah 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 that's incredible um yeah yeah. fabric. you know it's just so nice to think of and, you know, I don't know if, like, I feel like I've talked about this with other Arabs and queer Arabs, like our, not all of our families understand tattoos and like why we choose to tattoo, yeah. um, even though like historically, right, like facial tattoos um, mm-hmm. in our villages and communities. Yeah, I remember a, like a distant male relative sent me a Facebook message you know what like a few years ago when he saw that I put that I had a tattoo and he was like he had to of course he had to comment on the communal body right uh-huh. and he was like why are you 
didn't you just like get art and put it on your walls of your house? And I responded, this is my house. <laughs> my body is my house. So yeah, your suggestions are completely like- Moot. Yeah, yeah. great suggestions. Yeah. But I'm doing it. Like, oh, your idea of what a house is is not what my idea is, you know? Yeah. Um, in 20, so my father, my father passed away in 2015. He used to be really into tattoos. Um, thank you. I love everything. Yeah, he was really into tattoos. He had several. Um, and that is one of the many reasons, like, after he died that I got a tattoo. Like, I, I went, like, a few months later, I got this big tattoo on my back. Um, so I got it. Um, I love the tattoo. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I got it a few months after that. And then, of course, some family members came out of the woodwork. Like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, you suddenly want to talk to me. Like, not about the death of my parent, but about my tattoo. Because apparently, apparently that's your priority. And like, these are family members I literally never talked to. And it's just absolutely incredible, like, how much something affects them that's you know they don't give a fuck about you as a person but as soon as you like do something with your body, your body yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's wild exactly yeah yeah um, absolutely wild yeah i'm uh, still waiting to get my first ink uh i just need to find something that feels important enough because i mean it, it is going to be like uh, some some waves in my family um and my mom also, it's kind of this weird combination of like half of her opposition to tattoos is the like typical judgy stuff. And then half of it is like needle phobia. Like she's extremely needle, needle phobic. Um, and then just like seeing a tattoo reminds oh. her of needles. Um, yeah. So yeah, if I'm going to say like, fuck you, I'm getting it anyway. I just want to have some good reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because basically... It's really interesting. I love this because like a lot of what I want to, what I'm like really interested in, especially in my new book is the idea of consent and consent itself. Mm -hmm. So the fact is, you know, basically your body, you know, is yours <laughs> and your mom's body is hers. So her phobia, her needle phobia is something she needs to regulate, right? Like we all are in charge of regulating our own emotions and our right. own bodies. In an ideal world, right? We like this is why prison abolition is so important. This is why the ending of occupation and colonization is so important. So, but it kind of like can start so early at home, right? Like you can say, I, you know, trigger warning, I will be around you with tattoos on my skin. And it's, you know, her job to regulate her own reaction to that, right? And your job, quote unquote, is. To care for your body and mm -hmm. to do what you want yeah you don't have a needle phobia right so it's like... i actually do but not to the point like like getting the tattoo might be rough but like after that it, yeah not the concept of <laughs> right <laughs> right um yeah no i'll, I'll get I'll, I'll it's gonna happen eventually just um just still brainstorming i bought my son his first tattoo he was like he'd been wanting a tattoo since he was 15 he'd been wanting um, a lot of tattoos and he had like a, uh, I, I encouraged him to start a file in, on his laptop, you know, um, of, of things that he wanted. And, you know, I considered, they said, you know, well, if you go in with a parent note, 
you can tat you can have some you can be tattooed at 16 or something and i was like i just i just felt like i just wanted him to like have complete control over his body but when yeah. he turned 18 when he turned 18 i got him a tattoo i gave him Aww. i got him an, a tattoo artist as a present so oh that was so uh, I think it was like the it was like a traditional style uh, panther face or something, cool. you know, like yeah. the coming out of like a floral kind of um, border. So Aww. yeah, and he has more tattoos now. But as a young person, I couldn't afford tattoos. You know, like I just my parents would definitely never have bought me bought me tattoos. Yeah. So, but like such a such a great gift to give because. That's something you have forever, you know. It is like yeah. truly. No, that's that's incredible. I mean, the car, the car I bought him is gone. So, but the tattoo. <laughs> the tattoo outlives a car. Yeah, that's a really good point. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned your book. Um, do you want to give people a little bit of a I don't know, like a little summary of what that's about and um, how it's been received so far? Yeah. Let me just do a really short forty-second break where I sure. make myself a quick tea. Totally. Yeah, totally. This is my favorite tea. It's called Golabi Tea Baru Tea. And it's from Kolkata. Ooh. And it fucking rocks. It rules my world. It is just like very beautifully caffeinated. And um, you can brew it a couple of times. I like to brew it in a turquoise pot. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna have to try that. Yeah, I get it from uh, like whatever. Here we call it Super King. It's like the sort of ethnic, yeah. the grocery store that has all the global South stuff. Oh, too. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my honey. Oh. Gotta put honey in it. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of it. Ha ha ha. I love honey and tea. <laughs> Me too. Tea has to have honey in it. I agree. You know, when I went to Egypt uh, last year. I um, had tea with sugar for the first time, and I actually really enjoyed it because I don't usually have it oh, yeah. with sugar. Yeah, I don't think um, I remember what that yeah. tastes like. Sometimes I need brown sugar. Mm. Well, lately, I've been I doing love... maple syrup and tea. Me too. Maple syrup and tea is Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, coffee. that? Yeah. Fuck, yeah. Okay, so uh, <laughs> the name of my new book is Love is an X Country, and it is a memoir. You know, some, some, some might call it a memoir in essays. I like to be a completist, and I say it's a memoir, and it's a memoir in chapters. Mm-hmm. Just like <laughs> uh, life. It is, yeah, just like life. And it's about, it's, it's basically a love letter to my body and to queers everywhere and people who are marginalized. But it's for us, you know? It's it's about everything that I cherish in terms of uh, our homelands, um, sexuality, kink, you know, uh, our history. And it's very personal. It is very much an exploration of the ways that my body didn't belong to me the first 20 years of my life and the ways that I fought against that kind of um, disenfranchised, you know, feeling from my own body. 
and my own dream and my own path and the way that the following 20 years of my life it was a reclamation of that. And it focuses um, on a lot of my travels, which is, you know, the best way I think to look at your body is the way it is when it's outside of its usual space, right? And the ways that it can become hyper visible or visible or invisible and the ways that its rights to exist can change depending on where you are, but your love for yourself like can grow, you know? Um, yeah. So it's about self-love, self-acceptance, and it's, it does have a lot of uh, descriptions of domestic violence and abuse. So I will do that as a content wa- content warning, but it has a happy ending. So, um, good. Yeah. that's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. Um, what made you decide to write a memoir at this point in life? Like what was kind of like, what was going on? Yeah, I think I've been reading, I've been reading memoirs since I was very young and I've been writing nonfiction since I was very young. And I wrote kind of like a hybrid memoir and critical theory thesis as an undergrad and thought I was really going to go into mostly critical cultural criticism and critical theory and nonfiction as a writer, but I love fiction so much and I'm good at it. So I just (laughs) ended up focusing on mostly fiction, which I'm back to focusing on. But the memoir, I felt, was a really important um, step towards recording and commemorating not just the time in my life, you know, that I that I focused on, but also, you know, the time in America's life. You know, a big part of the book is concerned with the years that we were under Trump's rule, um, you know, when he first stepped into power, how his followers you know, harmed me and people like me and like us. And so I just wanted to record that because as someone who's been around for 43 years, I've seen the ways that, you know, historically as Americans, we've been amnesiacs. We've just thought, oh, you know, Trump is the worst. When really George W. Bush, um, in terms of just death count, is um, was a much worse president, Right. Um, and Obama was a terrible president when it comes to deportation and drone war and, you know, uh, the funding of police and expanding the police state. So just like being honest with ourselves and saying, no, 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 this is actually a problem. We have a problem as a culture. And um, if we don't commemorate this and historically record this, we're going to keep repeating the same patterns and mistakes over and over again. And when we do that, we die like people like us die. Black people die. Indigenous people die. We all suffer. And so it's really a way for me to speak truth to power and uh, at the same time celebrate us mm-hmm. yeah. because as, as we are here, you know. Um, and were, did you write a significant portion of it when you were in your residency in uh, Marfa? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was in West Texas at, on the six-week residency. I didn't write a significant portion of it, but yeah, I did start to understand the ways that the the chapters I'd already written belonged in the book. That yeah. I actually had a book building 
that I didn't realize was building. I just thought, oh, these are essays here and there. But then I realized, no, these are all about me. So again, back to the body, right? This is about me, my body, and it needs to be unified into a, a like a, a, a whole narrative. Yeah. But because of the, that, I've been, you know, like um, exiled and all of these other things and disoriented, right, in the ways that I've moved around the world. I wanted the book to have an element of that, especially for people who haven't experienced that. Mm-hmm. Right. So the outsider reader, part, the people who aren't part of my community, I think, will feel disoriented by my book. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like being like, oh, really? Your Google Maps in your brain is not quite working here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Our world. <laughs> Yeah, good yeah. point. Yeah. That, yeah. that kind of idea of like compartmentalizing or segment segmentation of life just feels like really real the way people like, whether it's like in an immigration context, you become a different person in a different setting or like being a queer pe- person who is, you know, in- interacting with a queer subculture and then also trying to interact with your own culture or with uh, mainstream culture. Just the idea that like there there's so many parts to this whole just makes a lot of sense yeah how i guess in general how have people reacted i've gotten a lot of really really wonderful messages and notes and it's just been really beautiful knowing that what i was trying to say and what i was trying to put out there worked and Mm -hmm. was communicated effectively and the press that the book has gotten has been really beautiful too it made it to a lot of like most anticipated lists it's already been on best books of 2021 lists. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, luckily, I feel like my work has received overall, like, you know, since I started with my first book in 2008, it's received okay. like critical acclaim, lots of love from critics. And because I write for us, it tends to not be like commercially, like blockbustery or anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't want to write about honor killing, so I don't know if I'm going to have an, a, a blockbuster. <laughs> you're not, yeah, but, you're not, yeah. you're not going to give everyone, like, the particular trauma porn that they expect, which yeah. I think is cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. or, or the narrative about us that confirms what they believe about us. Right. So. Yeah. Right. Or even just, or even honestly, just like. Um, centering a character that is more universally, you know, when I say universally, I mean like white. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Apparently is white, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I don't know, never say never, but that's, it's been really nice to know that my books um, have reached like who they're really meant meant Mm -hmm. for. It's, it's weird, like, um, expectations about, like, trauma in the market are so, like, double-edged. It's, like, one, sometimes people want the trauma porn and the honor killings, and it's, like, why aren't you giving this? But then it's, like, sometimes, oh, this is too much. Can you tone it down? There's too there's too much pain in here. Can you make it more like sunshines and rainbows? Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I, lately I've been thinking about how you just can't, I, I think you just can't trust or not I don't know maybe like markets like commercial settings are just outside the idea of trust but you can't you kind of can't trust people who want you to either like amp up your experience or tone it down like both of those are equally suspect yeah. you know mm-hmm. and you're like I'm not gonna sugarcoat or uh, or the other 
extreme of that, like my life, my Sugar literal life, or like a cyanide coat. I don't know. <laughs> cyanide coat. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when Amelie, that movie first came out. Mm-hmm. Are you? Are you? Amelie? Yeah. I love yeah. That. I went and saw it in the movie theater and. I when it when it ended, I left like the grumpiest bitch ever. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck was that? It was so sugary and so saccharine. And like my friends were like, What who what is wrong with you? Like why don't why didn't you like it? It was so like cute and and I was just like, No <laughs> Fair, yeah. I I loved it. But it was probably, like, what I needed in the moment. And, like, I can also see why you had that reaction. Because it, 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 yeah. it was over the top. It's like, kind of like cotton candy. Sweet. Like, sometimes you, like, you want that. And then sometimes you, like, taste it and you're like, ugh. Absolutely. I want the original cotton candy. The Charles Bennett. Our cotton candy. Yes. You know. Um, so how has quarantine in general been going for you? You know, it's been kind of difficult. It's been very isolating. And, you know, I do travel a lot because I feel like I'm part of a lot lot of different communities. Mm -hmm. And so not being able to do that has been really difficult. I've been really, really lucky, though. I'm very grateful to have a job and to be able to rely on that. Um, I've noticed it hurt people in my family a lot. So my son and my sister are both musicians. They're incredible musicians. You know, that's their life. Their life is being on stage and performing and, you know, being engaging their audience in live performance. And I think it was, it's been really hard for them. And so as their family, like it's been hard for me to see them struggle through that. And then my writer self has just been really, really happy. It's been nice to just be at home constantly and write, you know, and not be expected. You know, I'm such, I love socializing. So I'm one of those people who are introverted and extroverted. So I like being alone for like four days a week and then with a bunch of people three days a week. Mm-hmm. That's like my perfect kind of uh, equation for socializing. And so it's been really hard to be like, oh, I can't do what I want. I can't yeah. hang out. I can't like spread my energy and draw energy from my friends and from others. You know, I really love going to galleries and museums and looking at art. And it's been hard to not be able to do that. It's been hard to not be able to go to kink parties and date. That's been really hard because I was doing that a lot before quarantine. I almost feel like my higher self knew something was coming because I was like Cram the sin. going nuts. <laughs> yeah, I was just going nuts. I was like dungeon, 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 like party, <laughs> uh, person, hot person, hot person. Like, like I was just like really trying as much as possible to um, experience that. And then the shutdown happened and I just felt really grateful that I had at least had that, you know? I think dating has just been really intense in a way that it wasn't before because like- Everyone's so serious so fast because they don't want to casually be dating a bunch of people and Mm -hmm. spreading COVID around, uh, which makes sense. But it's like, damn, people just want to you all. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's been what my hang up is because like, the couple dates I've gone on, it's been, it just felt like really serious, you know, right, right away. Um, and I, I was, I was like, okay, wait, I don't, 
that's not what I'm looking for right now. Yeah. Like I want to actually get to know a person before. And, and I think um, that's that shift in how dating has felt has been really interesting and challenging. I didn't really date um, the first half of pandemic. I just was like, I don't have the energy for this. Yeah, same. I personally like really, really like to smell people and like touch them to know if I'm attracted to them even. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I was just like, fuck this. I'm not even going to try. Mm-hmm. And then the past few months, I've just been doing Zoom dates and I've actually really enjoyed them because they're really slow and you get to like kind of think about the person and who they are and whether they align with your boundaries or your uh, sexual needs or desires. Yeah. And you can openly talk about stuff that you might be too shy to talk about in person. But yeah, I, I've heard that too, like the seriousness. But also the fuck buddy element. I've heard that from friends that like people were just very like, okay, let's be each other's exclusive fuck buddies over this quarantine. Yeah, yeah which and is I also kind of like, serious. Like that's a different kind of serious. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to, like, sign a contract right now. Like, I'm like... Yeah, I understand it. Like, I definitely understand why people are doing that. It it makes practical sense. It just sits weird with me, and I don't like it, and I don't want to do it, you know? Yeah. It's very... It just seems like heteronormative bullshit entering our... Totally. Yeah. Like, our spaces and our sort of, like... It just doesn't align. I think mm-hmm. with queer joy or yeah. just generally the way that queers, it, you know, exist and operate outside of heteronormative sorts of ideas and ideals right? Uh, and hierarchical relationships and all that bullshit. Like I'm not into any of that. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Just curious. Have you gone to any like online kink stuff? Yeah. Oh, How's that been? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. I recommend it. I actually, okay, so I was very hesitant. I was invited to, to a few and I just kept being like, no, no, no. I, if I can't literally like, like feel someone's butt, like <laughs> jiggle under my spank, I'm not interested, <laughs> you know, like joy. I don't want to see like, I'm not here to see like performers doing dances. Like I'll tip them anyway, but I don't, that's not where I get off. That's not my thing. Um, And then I finally went to one recently and I really was into the cruise rooms. So there's these like breakout rooms um, where you cruise people and everyone has like a few minutes to say what their kinks are, what they're looking for, what their dreams are in terms of play partners and what their boundaries are. And then people like exchange information if their stuff aligns and yeah, I've met a few people that I don't think I would have met otherwise, and they're lovely. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, there's one kind in particular that I'm very excited about. So yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Cool. I'm glad that's going yeah. well. I, I've like seen that those exist, and I'm like, oh, but it's on Zoom. It looks too much like networking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would. I would honestly, I would recommend it. Okay. You know, and the more specific it is to like your community or identity, the better in my opinion. That's cool. Yeah, it's good to hear like a good experience. You know, the online dating or online kink scene, stuff like that. Because I've I've mostly heard the negative side of Zoom dating and how, you know, people 
feel awkward about it and stuff. So it's kind of cool to hear uh, this perspective. It's definitely awkward. Like being at a at a sex party on Zoom is awkward. <laughs> but after, <laughs> Fair, yeah. after an hour, like oh, this is this is normal now. Like it kind of like starts to settle in. Also, the the one I went to had zero um, cis men, like zero. So nice. I don't like being in spaces with men, especially on Zoom. You know, I'm like, ah, please stop yeah you know? <laughs> i feel that <laughs> yeah so you mentioned before we start recording you mentioned um you were you like were up till six something has your because i i felt like my sleep schedule has kind of like um it's taken some turns in during <laughs> quarantine so have you also been experiencing that like or is that like usual yes a hundred percent yeah, that's it's good. I'm glad that I'm not the. Only, I actually thought I was the only one. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm pouring myself some tea as as we speak. No, I've been. Um, it's been very seasonal, and it's also like I've noticed around the full moons, it's been more than usual. Interesting. Yeah, and I've I've just definitely embraced it. At first, I was just like, oh my god, like you know, why can't I sleep? Why am I only sleeping? during the daytime, why why am I having a hard time sleeping at night? And once I realized that I was just kind of shifting and that it was just suiting and it felt healthy, I was like, oh, well then I'll just do what my body feels. And I think in the summers, here at least, starting from June to September, um, I swam a lot. So I would go to the beach at least three two or three times a week and like it was really nice to at least do that because mm -hmm. then I knew I was off from teaching and I knew I had a, some sort of schedule and the beaches were closed off for a while so once they reopened um during the week there weren't that many people there so it just felt really nice yeah. sometimes I, that's where I would you know I would just sleep there <laughs> so. yeah I've had nights sleeping on the beach it's there's nothing like it Oh my god! I've never spent a night at the beach. That sounds oh. phenomenal. It was yeah, yeah, that was good. I mean, yeah, and sleeping on the beach during the day is also nice. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. just like I love, I love getting... sleeping in the sun on the beach. Yeah, like I've decided maybe some of my insomnia is because I'm like a light, like not a light sleeper, as in I don't sleep heavily, but I'm a, a someone who likes to <laughs> sleep in the light. Um, oh, that makes like there's funny. Days, yeah, there's days beautiful. I won't like fall asleep until like the sun starts to come out, and then I'm like, oh, this is my oh, thing. Oh, interesting. I feel like yeah, it's very cat-like too. You know, mm -hmm. like just finding oh. a spot in the sun and sleeping in its warmth oh, while covered in sunscreen. Yeah. yeah. My dog is actually outside hanging out in the sunshine right now because oh, nice. whenever I do anything on Zoom um, or whenever I do an interview or whatever, she hates it. She's just like, ugh. <laughs> There's no one else here. I'm out of here. She gets really annoyed. So She's like, I just let her out. Tell her we're sorry. For, yeah, tell her we're sorry. Uh, detracting your attention <laughs> from her. Oh, she's she's lazing in, on, on the balcony. She's such a goose. I love her. Yeah. Our relationship has been really strong. I'm like, she's actually my partner during this quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, cat, the cats yeah. have really gotten, I think, bonded with both of us. Like, Yeah, but they've be, been having yeah. some issues with each other. Yeah, I think they're getting... I don't know. They're having like, some political disagreements. Yes, <laughs> they are. Uh, I love it. They're like, whoa, 
you're a normalizer. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're arguing about sectarianism. Yeah. It's it's like all of us, though. I feel like I've also gotten into arguments or like been annoyed with people that I love just because I've spent so much time around them. Yeah. Because I don't get to spend a lot of time with many people except for like my pod, right? Which is yeah. very small. And even like even people you regularly talk to on Zoom are it's often people you're like consistently in contact with and are like close to at least in my experience so it's like you're really with your like everything's very concentrated yeah yeah everything different experience i think it's important to just realize that we need to give each other space um Mm -hmm. because like in regular life when you like live with people or see people every day it doesn't literally mean all the time um (laughs) yeah so yeah i think i think it's just important to let each other breathe a little bit yeah. Including the pets. Yes. <laughs> they, they should give each other some space. Yes. yes. They're like, yeah. yeah. I've, I've really, I'm not vaccinated and I'm fully inoculated now. Nice. And yeah. it feels great to like, be like, oh, okay. So I can, I can leave my home. Yeah. Uh, I can see. I can safely help people who aren't vaccinated if they need help. Like I can, and there's been more and more studies around the ways that vaccination, you know, keeps you from passing on COVID. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there it is a relief to like have that step. I don't know. Um, both of us have one vaccine yeah. dose left, so um, that'll feel. That'll feel good. We also had COVID earlier, so they're saying if you had COVID and you get the first dose, you're probably you're probably fully immune. But it's going to take them too long to prove that. So yeah, so we're getting the second one. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I've heard some people be very like nervous about getting vaccinated and worried. It's been really hard because I kind of just want to be like, no. Once we're all vaccinated, the sooner we're vaccinated, the better it will be. And people, but at the same time, as someone who's like really into consent. And bodily autonomy. I'm just take your time. Like just kind of gritting my teeth. Like yeah, take your time until you comfortable with the research. And, you know. Yeah, and I like as much as like the whole anti-vax, like the aggressively. And I'm not just talking about the people who are nervous. Like people who are aggressively anti-vaxxer. Like as much as that just pisses me off. Like I, I do have to remember that it doesn't come from nowhere. Like there is a reason that people aren't trusting the state and the medical industry to do what's best for people's bodies like there there's a lot of historical examples of that um which i and i don't agree with the conclusions but i you know like you gotta recognize that people have reasons for their yeah i'm trying to do that it's really hard for it's really hard to like ingest opinions from anti-vaxxers i'm having a hard time like being compassionate about it but i should try (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've also read about like the ways that it's good to, you know, at first I was very anti uh, like posting photos of people, posting photos of yourself getting a vaccine because I was just like, ugh, not everyone can get one. Mm -hmm. But now that it's a lot more accessible, I'm hearing that it's good to post those because there's been so much misinformation about what happens once you get vaccinated. Like yeah. a lot of anti-vaxxers are spreading misinformation about, you know, claiming that people are like getting sick immediately right. or passing out. Or 
Even so, for me, even for me, who's I'm definitely not anti-vax, but seeing those posts was really helpful, and seeing people's seeing people's um, accounts of how this is what to expect. Yeah, yeah, that was just really that was nice. I thought it was nice to like have access to that. And the needle doesn't hurt that much. Speaking of needle phobia, it doesn't. True. It really doesn't. Yeah, um, didn't really? yeah. even feel it. I was surprised. Yeah, I was like, oh, I know. I didn't feel it. I really didn't like just yeah. 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 I, I felt the second one, but the first one I didn't feel at all. Like I didn't even feel it. Um, yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah, my side or actually both of our side effects were pretty rough. But like even still, like I'm I'm still what did you- uh, Pfizer or Moderna? Uh, I got Moderna. Yeah, I got Pfizer. We I, both had different kind of different. Yeah, I just had a really bad fever and was kind of just like out. It felt very similar to having COVID, just shorter, um, which makes sense. But, like, even with that, like, I'm still so glad that I got it. And it was, like, still such, like, a bright light at the end of the tunnel for this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what have you been working on lately? Anything you have coming up that you want to share? Yeah. I, I've i been um, working on a screenplay um, I wrote a feature film, which I'm developing, um, and it's very queer. And um, I'm also uh, working on a new novel. Um, and, you know, day by day, like one day I'm just like, no, I'm never writing a book again. And then the next day I'm writing. So it's yeah. like... Uh, it sounds like you might write another book again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is going into the screenplay kind of like a little bit of a, a breath of fresh air from book world or it's still like, no, nah, I'm just writing. Oh, <laughs> so lovely. Oh, writing a screenplay. I'm telling you right now, I wrote a screenplay and I did it, you know, during quarantine, whereas writing a novel takes years and it's just so daunting. So, yeah, the screenplay situation is very attractive to me because, you know, it's not the entire vision. It's just sort of a blueprint, right? Mm -hmm. A loose blueprint, and then the film becomes its own thing. So, whereas with the novel, it's everything. You're doing everything. You're doing the, you know, the music, the emotional stuff, the characters, the dialogue, the outfits, the mood, the exposition, the angles, the cinematography, that you're doing every fucking thing, yeah, right? When we write an novel. So it's exhausting and it takes forever to get it right. And But this new one is somewhat theatrical and I was feeling really down on it until um, I shared it with some of my uh, other people who uh, are in a, a cohort with me? Mm-hmm. There, we all got a Creative Capital Award, and so and we're all writers, and so we there's four of us or five of us, and we're all women of color, and we meet once a month and share each other's work. It's been really nice um, to know that to have that kind of support and to know that like okay, maybe I can keep working on this. Maybe this isn't <sighs> gonna kill me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Having the right community surrounding something probably makes a difference. Do you want to tell us more about um, what the screenplay is about? Um, It's about an art thief, and Mm. I will stop there. Ooh, that's that's enough. That's (laughs) 
Yeah, intrigue. Good bait. Yeah, good bait. <laughs> good intrigue. Um, yeah. Cool. She's hot. She's she's a, she's hot. She's Egyptian. And then yeah, there's other characters. The other and so it's her, a uh, really hot non-binary musician, who she meets in the desert, and an older Lebanese uh, lesbian who she also meets in the desert. So, mm-hmm. and it's the way that these three Arabs basically create community for each other in uh, and under like really dire circumstances in West Texas. Oh, so. wow. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, cool. Me too. Uh, we were talking about how like the pandemic has stopped you from traveling all the places you normally want to go. Um, what are like the top places you want to go once um, travel is functional? You know, honestly, like my uh, there's West Coast Girards and there's East Coast Girards mm-hmm. in my family. And the East Coast Girards are like my mom and my brother and my dad, my nephew. Like, I really, really want to go to New York and visit my East Coast folks. Yeah. So that's number one. And then I've been really craving Texas. I don't know why, but I'm going to go to Austin and possibly West Texas also. That's that's my yeah. next dream. Um, I really also want to go back home. Like I want to go to Egypt again. I want to go to to Beirut again. And then I really, really want to try to go to Palestine. That's It's been a really big thing now for me to sort out my Hawiye, my Palestinian ID situation, yeah. um, which is probably, I, I don't know. There's no guarantees that I'll be able to go in. But yeah, once travel is functional, like yeah. that is internationally, like that's really where I want to go. Yeah, and you, Cuba. Oh, Cuba would be Cuba. Novel, I need to research. Yeah, my novel is set in Guantanamo in, you know, 50 years in the future. So I need to like, oh, wow. at least go, I feel like I need to go to Cuba at least once to like get some sort of vibe totally. uh, for research. <laughs> yeah. And you tried to go to Palestine before, right? And it didn't, like you weren't able to access it. Yes, um, and that's in my new book too. Yeah, I, I just foolishly thought, oh, I'll just go in with my um, American passport. I'll just go in through Tel Aviv, you know, through the airport. Yeah. And nope, that did not work for me. Damn, fuck that. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Palestine for, what, eight hours, nine hours? God. That was like eight years ago, so. Yeah. I am hoping it'll work out because, yeah, I'm just going through quarantine and COVID and all of this has just like made me yearn so much just to just to go see like, I don't know, an olive tree, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Quarantine for me has... I want to drink some Palestinian wine and beer too. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. I'm trying to get stoned and follow... <laughs> I'm trying to like have queer sex in Palestine. Like that is, I want to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I hope it happens. Um, yeah, I, being in quarantine has made me think about the, I think like a lot of people, the brevity of life. And I've been like really thinking about things that I haven't been able to do and want that are so important to me. Keep thinking like I can't, I need to make this happen. Um, so that sounds like one of the one of those things yeah. for you that's like really needed in your life. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what are the best ways for people to connect with you or follow you on online? Um, just my full name, Rhonda Gerard. I'm at Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I also have a website, rondagerard.com. So yeah, try me. Uh, yeah, connect, check out my work as it is ongoing. And yeah, let me know how your work is going too. I love being part of our large community and um, sharing and being really proud of each other. So it's yeah, the best. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. Um, you all can follow us at the Queer Arabs on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook, and email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. And our website is thequeerarabs.com. Mm-hmm.